This is They Think It's All Over, the Football Shirt Show. Your weekly dose of footy kit related news, some jokes and a few cool features. Welcome back to episode number 32 of the Football Shirt Show. Today we're bringing you the news, new releases, 101, kit history, a special Predator feature, and we're joined by a very, very special guest. But before we introduce our guest, say hello everybody. Hi, you got Mike, footy shirts. And Scott at Flying Scotty. And Tom at Shirt Fan. Are you gents all right? All good. All good. We won't leave the listeners waiting or our guests hanging on. I'm going to introduce you to a man who had designed World Cup winning shirts for Italy. Invincible shirts for Arsenal, the tailor-made range by Umbro, shirts for Inter Milan, Porto, I could go on and on and on. Brazil, got to say Brazil. One half of the Excellent Spark Academy. Welcome to Craig Bugless. How are you, Craig? You right, you are? I'm all right, yeah. Not too bad. A little bit hot and sweaty, but yeah, all good, mate. I listed quite a few shirts there. Are there any that I really should have mentioned I've missed out? <laughs> uh, yeah, I wasn't going to say any of them, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm only joking. No, I think you pretty much nailed it there, to be honest. Um, I probably might have thrown in a Barcelona kit, but hey ho, there you go. So, for, for people's reference, we're talking Nike from what, 2002 ish? 3 2? No, two th- 2000 to 2006. A Nike, then you moved on to. I actually went to a surf brand, actually, from Nike um, and spent a year there. In the south of France, which was, which was great. Um, my wife absolutely killed us when I then went back and told her we're moving back to Germany to be the creative director of Puma, um, <laughs> which she still hasn't forgiven us for. So we like sand and sun for sauerkraut and lederhosen. And then actually, where I met my business partner Rob, um, he was at the time working on all the team sports, obviously all the football kits and stuff. Since the day we met we have literally got on like a house on fire as much as we're business partners we're best of mates outside of work as well um so yes so basically went back to Puma and that's how I got involved in the Italian kit they were working with Neil Barrett on on the designs with Rob and um I just said look we we need we need to do something special with this here's the factory get in touch with them bond the shirt and that's how we ended up bonding the shirt. So if I hadn't have gone from Nike to Ripco, we probably wouldn't have bonded that Italian kit. And um, just ironic that literally left Nike after winning the World Cup with Brazil, four years later, I'm at, um, I'm at Puma and we've, we've done it again. Do you not get national teams requesting you now? I was going to say, can you do the English show quickly for this, this year's World Cup? <laughs> yeah, I wish it worked like that, but sadly it doesn't because there's a hell of a lot of other super, super talented designers out there. I think the best yeah. takeaway from that story is that you and Rob actually get on outside of the business because we all hate each other when we're not doing this pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'm blessed. I'm absolutely blessed. I absolutely love the guy the bit. He's basically, you hear this story all the time, but he's the closest thing I've got to a brother from another mother. I mean, he really is. We know each other so well. I was the best man at his wedding and he would have probably been the best man at my wedding, but I didn't know him at that time, so I'm a little bit older than he is. That chemistry <laughs> really comes through in the videos that you guys do together, your kit review videos, and we'll, we'll send a link out to that as well after the show. For anybody yeah, that hasn't yeah seen it. great. I'm sure if you gave Castori a shout, they'd snap you up because they certainly need the help. Like, Oh, man, don't get me started. <laughs> don't <laughs> lead the witness. I'll tell you what, yeah. that's a great, great, great opportunity to move on to this week's news. So in the news this week, we've got the blue side of Merseyside releasing their new third shirt with a, a few interesting changes. Yeah, so the Everton released their um, third kit today. Um, two interesting points that came out of it. One was the goalkeeper shirt that accompanied it with the, the throwback element. Um, but the other big talking point was on the third shirt, then there was a badge adaption. So the, the Hummel shirt is a yellow shirt and it features a, a graphic on the lower right-hand side of the shirt of Prince Rupert's Tower, which is a, it's an old lockup that's been predominantly associated with Everton since it was constructed in 1787. 
And there's obviously a centerpiece of the regular badge. And what the third shirt have done, strangely, is they've taken the outline of the Rupert's, Prince Rupert's Tower and blew it out and used that as the badge. And I've been, I've been doing a little bit of reading on Twitter to try and catch some fans' reaction, being that I'm not one. And it seems quite mixed. A lot of people were a bit angry about the lack of the traditional badge. And whereas some other people just didn't really care because it was a third shirt. Um, for me personally, I think it looks like a Star Trek pin badge or something. So I think it's a bit of a, a strange decision. What did you guys think? Uh, as a, yeah, I did the same. I had a quick look at reactions. And like you say, I saw that the, the, the fan base was a bit, a bit mixed with it. Um, so as you say, just really not caring. For me, as a non-Everton fan, I have no real interest in it other than what it looks like. And from that perspective, I don't know. Does it just look a little bit too simplified? I saw a couple of ideas thrown around for, you know, some alternatives, which looked a little with, with a little bit more detail on the tower that I think probably gave a little bit of a better look. But I don't know. For me, it, it looks a bit too simple. But as a non-Everton fan, it, it's difficult to know, you know, anything other than, as I say, just me as a Villa fan looking at the way it looks. It's great to get your amateur reaction there, gentlemen. Let's uh, let's hear from a pro because we've got here. Craig, what's your views on this? Uh, well, it, it's an interesting one. I think what I would give them kudos for is they've actually done three distinctive shirts for the season. You know, so if you if you were to put them up against various other teams, you'd always have a shirt you could wear. I quite like the fact that they've gone out there and been quite bold about it. Um, you know, could they've done it better? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think it's a little bit crass in its execution. If I want it to be hypercritical, it looks like a Crayola kind of setup of crayons <laughs> that goes across the shirt. Um, so I think they could have been a lot, lot cleverer about it. it, it but I've got to be honest, I, I really like Hummel as a as a brand, um, and I think some of the shirts that they've done over the years have been have been great, and especially some of the Everton kits. Um, some of the ones I did last year, I thought were lovely. But um, yeah, it's certainly gonna certainly gonna divide opinion, which I don't. I never think is a bad thing. I'm surprised at how many kits have gone with round necks this season. And I was thinking about running a book on Twitter to see how many shirts actually survive the season without getting sliced down the neckline, and you know everybody starting to rip them open. Because um, if you think of what's happened with football kits over the years, that's exactly what's happened. As soon as it gets closer to the neck. The players just get so irritated by them. They just start cutting into them. So with there being so many, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, as a kid, I don't mind it so much. Don't mind it. I mean, I, I know everyone's talking about the crest and it's super simplified. I, I actually really like it. I think it's like we're entering a, a world of postmodern kits. I think it's it's really modern looking and I like it. But then I'm not an Everton fan, so it doesn't mess with yeah. any of the tradition that I love. I think one of the biggest mistakes they may make is if they shy away from it. Because I think this is where, if you're going to do something like that, you've got to have the courage of your convictions and you've really got to you've got to stick with it. So I'd almost be saying to myself, right, that is going to be the logo we use on the third kit for the next however many seasons um, and really get behind it and start building some stories behind it and graphics behind it or jackards or whatever it might be that you put on the product. But just... Yeah, embrace it and go with it and build stories around it. And I guess that's probably why I think I'm saying it's a little bit crass because it it isn't that great of a graphic. I mean, if you think, like we were talking earlier about um, Stuart Scott Curran or, you know, a Peter Savile or any of the really amazing graphic artists out there, if they'd actually got that as a, as a symbol and said, right, here's the history, this is what it stands for. This is what it's all about. I think they could have been far more creative with it. And it, yeah, it wouldn't look like a Crayola advert, which is all I can see now that I've mentioned that. Yeah, so all of us can see now you've mentioned it. There's the shirt aside, though. There's a bit of a noise around the goalkeeper shirt as well, Scott. Is that, is that going to get them in a sticky situation, do you think? Well, yeah. I mean, there was a, a, I'm sure you'd mentioned it as well, Craig. You put a tweet out today about how, like, like how close the design is to the the umbro design but i also it's interesting how how there's other brands getting away with that for example i shared the i bought the stuttgart away shirt from this year that was a throwback to their 97 98 
and I had a I had the 97 98 as well and I did a comparison and I it was one of the things I noticed that the design is so close but you know one was Jayco and the other was Adidas so I, I don't know how they're getting away with it I mean you might have a bit more you know obviously a more inside perspective about how they can design it so close when it's another brand's design yeah it's an interesting one because as a designer you, you basically have you know you could say that it's your design but in fact it's not you hand over all of the ip and the rights to that design as soon as you sign the contract for the given brand you're working for so from that perspective it's their kit i think it's interesting there was um, I got contacted as as Rob did um, a little while ago, and there was a there was a big German brand who we used to work for, got in touch with, with not naming any names, um, and they were concerned that a certain other sports brand had ripped off a, a kit that we'd. Well, it was actually one of the first ever kits that I did for um, for this said German brand, um, and they weren't happy with how much that had been ripped off, and they were seeking legal advice of it. Now, whatever happened to that, I, I have no idea. But what I would say is from a design perspective, I think it's lazy. That, that's the way that I would look at it. I mean, if I look at the Everton kit and some of the kits that have gone in the past, it's like just in general in society, right? I mean, how many fucking remakes do we need of movies, right? There's just every time there's a new, whether it's Top Gun or whatever, it's like we're lacking of a bit of imagination. We're constantly going back into the, Pandora's nostalgia book box, if you like, and it's it just does lack a little bit of imagination. I mean, I think whenever you're looking at something that's gone on in the past, like a great example, right? Back in the day, I designed Barcelona's gold uniform, um, and that came about through a conversation that I was having with Boba Van Zenden at the time, and we we're talking about what we could do with the kits and blah blah blah. He was like, "Oh, it would be great if we could do a, a gold kit. We've had yellow in our past, and it's like." you know, the success of the, the club and gold and all that sort of stuff. And that's how we ended up creating the gold uniform. And it was just really a celebration of the club and all that sort of stuff. But it was, the reference point was back to the yellow kits back in the day, but it was, you kind of spin it in a way that it becomes more more of the time and a little bit more unique. And I think with the Everton goalkeeper's kit, I mean, that is so close. I mean, they'd have probably been better off making it the outfield jersey as opposed to the goalkeeper's kit as well. So not only have they ripped it off, they've actually put it on the goalkeeper. So you're kind of thinking, it's just a little bit too close for me. Be inspired by, but just don't go too close. I mean, yeah, it's crackers. I'm not a big fan of it, of them becoming too close. And Adidas have sailed quite close to some of the stuff they've done back in the day as well. And Yeah, for me, it's always thinking forward. Odd one that, isn't it? Because Everton, in the one released today, as we record this, they, they've probably done the good bit in looking forward with the badge on the on the outfield shirt. And then they've completely undone that good work in terms of the goalkeeper shirt. Um, and they both had polarised views out there. Very, very interesting take on that. Right, gents, last week we talked about digital bits and the problems at Inter Milan. This week we've got another sponsor that's made the news and, well, certainly sponsor a lot more teams. We do indeed. So uh, for anybody that doesn't know, the brand in, in question is Kazoo, which, as we all know, have been cropping up on pretty much 95% of all new shirts that have been dropped over the last couple of months. And it was announced a few days back, I believe it was, uh, I believe it's the Spanish, is it Marca, that were reporting that Kazoo could possibly have to abandon their sponsorship of some of the clubs in Europe because I think the the, the costs were... 200 sorry 243 million pounds down on the year which obviously is a substantial amount of money i think there are a lot of people on twitter and social media saying you know this is what happens when you just throw sponsorship after sponsorship after sponsorship at uh, clubs and so on so i think it'll be interesting to see where that one goes and as a villa fan I'm interested to see if they're going to be on our shirts much longer. Um, it's not particularly a, a, too much of an obtrusive sponsor. I think it it looks okay when it's on the shirt. But yeah, I'd be interested to see where this goes. As a Villa fan, Mike, do you hope that it's retained on the shirt or do you, are you hoping for a new one? Whilst we're made by Castori, I couldn't give a shit. I mean, have you have you got the the home shirt yet this season? No, I genuinely can't bring myself to buy it. Even the the new home shirt, the Villa by Castori, it was even available through like the 
uh, kit bag eBay outlet with a discount code for like £42 or something almost immediately. And I still didn't buy it because I, I mean, I will. I'm not going to sit here and lie through my back teeth and say I'm not going to pick it up at some point because I will. But I genuinely dislike it so much that I've just at the moment, I just have no interest in it. It might be worth picking up in case it is that sponsor is removed because it might be harder to come by. This, this is true. This is true. Yeah, maybe I should. And then hopefully maybe they'll remove the Castori logo after. Oh, they fall off anyway. So, yeah. We'll save the Castori bastion potentially for the last news <laughs> item. But, but Craig, what's your withers? Sponsors on shirts. As a designer, I guess you're designing a shirt a good couple of years in advance. Do you, do you give any thoughts to who the sponsor is? Or, or sometimes you literally not know who a sponsor is going to be when you're doing the shirt? Uh, it's a mixed bag, to be honest. Um, in a lot of cases you do know who they are um, and you kind of design around it. In some cases, if you've got, if the club's got a really good relationship with the sponsor, you can actually manipulate the sponsor's logo a little bit. Also, if the sponsor's logo is a, is of a colour that's reflected through the team, that can sometimes help you as well. Um, I remember doing, uh, let me think, was it, the Invincibles, I think, was O2, but before that, it was Sega. And I think, again, we'd done a, we did a golden uniform for Arsenal, if memory serves me right. It might have been a training cup, but anyway. The, the, no, gold the, was the blue sponsor, was it, I think, on the that's Sega? That's right. I yeah, think it was. It was yeah. Sega, yeah. Well, we put we put navy blue down the side, so we got it all to match up. And the club loved it. Um, so in that case, it worked really well. But then I remember we were doing a lot of this stuff for Juve, and I'd done this really beautiful dog tooth check in the Cool Motion uh, fabric was fabric by Tori, a Japanese fabric manufacturer. And we did like a really nice dog tooth within like a dog tooth jacquard in the in the woven fabric. And it was we, we kind of paid homage back to the, the good old days of the pink uniform from UV. And then we had to put a trammel logo on it, this spherical blue blob basically smack bang in the middle of what was just a beautiful kit um so yeah you, you, you've got to take the highs and the lows really because i was also one of the fortunate designers to be able to design barcelona for so many years without even having to consider a, a sponsor logo and i mean that was just fantastic you know you could just do anything it was just a blank canvas every season it was brilliant what i would say is there's definitely a couple of sponsorships um, that I think have worked quite well on certain kits. Um, and it's actually the, the one in question, which is Kazoo. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's their current kit or was it last season? Was it Valencia? Was it Valencia who had like the, oh, it was like a great, like a gradation on the kit and it actually gradated the logo. So the logo was just, I think it was from like a gray to an orange and it looked really beautiful. And I think um, if you can get the sponsors who are open-minded to stuff like that, I think they can. you can make that look really quite nice. So that's one thing you've got to say about Kazoo, because you look at the seven clubs that they sponsor, which must be about 28 shirts by now, and they have allowed different colours, different fonts, some are boxed, yeah. some aren't boxed, you know, and it does make a yeah. difference, doesn't it, from a designer perspective? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so, yeah, definitely. I mean, what, what you're looking for is just as much flexibility and, and freedom as humanly possible. Because at the end of the day, you want to make that kit look as best as it possibly can. You know, if you look at what's happened with the Newcastle kit the season before, where no one could see anything but the the, the number four on the front of our kits. I mean, how on earth the designers didn't see that is beyond me. It really is. It just beggars belief. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's really about trying to get... Um, getting as much flexibility as humanly possible. And then I think you can actually make them look really smart. I mean, on that, that Paul Kazoo thing, sorry, just to say, I don't even think they'll be on anybody's shirts in the next 12 months. I don't even know if the business will even be there in that time. So, yeah, put a fiver on that. Is it common to have uh, sponsorship companies that are flexible or do you find that they're more, they're like, this is the logo, don't touch the colour, end of? Again, it's it. Oh, honestly, there, there's no kind of set formula, and it's like if you if you take 
if you take a Man City or a Man United or an Arsenal, any of the, the big teams that we know, right? And they've, they've come and gone over the years. Okay, Man United's playing absolutely shite at the minute, but they're still a force, right? The power that those brands have is quite significant. So, you know, their negotiation around the table when they're looking at stuff, I mean, they may be interested in it. They may not be. But then it's also the power of the brand who's actually designing the kits as well. So if you put Adidas and Man United in a room together with a sponsor saying, listen, your sponsor colour is terrible and it makes the home kit look really poor and it's going to jeopardise the sales of that product, then, yeah, I definitely think they would have a conversation. Yeah, if that was someone like, let's say it's Southampton, that conversation is not going to be as easy, man. Not at mm. all. So I think it really depends on the magnitude of the club, the strength of the brand, um, and yeah, the the flexibility of the sponsor. So it's the paymaster who decides, then, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. it can vary. It is, but yeah. um, to a large extent, it can be. Yeah. So because you do, because you don't. Um, we mentioned Newcastle there, but uh, Tom, you're going to tell us about Castore, perhaps accidentally coming up with one of the top shirts this season. Yeah, it's amazing because it's their fourth attempt and their first three, personally, I don't think, set the world alight. And uh, it's the Premier League, actually, that have kind of helped this limited edition one-off kit into existence because they have deemed that the home, away and third shirts, kits even, that Castori have come up with for Newcastle are too much of a clash for the weekend's fixture with Brighton. So that means that Castori have had to pull this brilliant sky blue shirt kit out of their locker. And it's probably the best shirt they've designed so far, not just for Newcastle, but for any of the clubs in their stable, I would say. Um, It is kind of reminiscent of some former Newcastle shirts. We all love the 1996 goalkeeper shirt. Okay, it's a different colour, but we see the the skyline of the city, the time bridge silhouetted on the shirt. So it harks back to that. But I think this is a, a really good shirt that's come about by accident. And this this was a warm-up shirt initially, wasn't it? This was designed a few months, well, designed a long time ago, but released a good few weeks ago, if not a month ago, as a warm-up shirt. Is that right? Yeah, it was, yeah. But I joked when I said accidentally shirt of the season because Castoria couldn't do that on purpose. But Craig, you're a Newcastle fan and a designer, and you must have thoughts about Castoria as a brand. We're just going to give you the microphone again, I think, here. Yeah? Well, I was about to just leave the room after someone on your panel said that it's one of the nicest kits that they've done for Newcastle. If I was actually sat next to him personally being a headlock by now, I think it's an absolute shocker. I think it's... Honestly, I made a comment the other day on Twitter. I think that you'll struggle to get the limited edition because they've given it to all the bus drivers and the tourist board of Newcastle. It's just... It's dreadful. I, uh, I, yeah, just not a fan of it at all. The goalkeeper's kit, right? Let's put that into context. The goalkeeper's kit that you're referring to back in the 90s, Powell Servicek, Shaka Hislop, wore the kit. It was at a time where, as a, as a football area, we were just, you know, the entertainers of the Premier League at that time. It also harks back to the sponsorship logo that we had at the time, um, Yuki Brown, and how it it silhouetted the logo within their logo. So there was a lot more connectivity to that. And also, I think they did a really good job with the kind of almost like a sunset in the background and all that sort of stuff. And it was a little bit more silhouetted, if memory serves me right. And I actually really quite liked it as a goalkeeper's kit. So this thing's come along by accident because they couldn't design the kits right in the first place to do three distinctive kits. I mean, Anybody who's designing football kits, the first rule of designing football kits is make sure that they're different enough so that they're not clashing against each other. So that's the first rule. And the second rule is don't take stuff so literal. I mean, it's it literally looks like they've thought, right, what are the what are the key landmarks in Newcastle? Right, we'll get the time bridge in there, that'll do. We'll get the sage in, we'll get a little bit of St. James's in. Yeah, whack that all together and stick it on like an aqua-coloured football shirt, which, to be honest, is there that much of a difference between that and the white one? I mean, if we're talking about shades of colour, I mean, we used to do so much um, research on black and white TVs to make sure that the, the kits didn't clash. That's to the to the degree we went to with the World Cup kits, for example, in 2002. So, yeah, for me, I think it's an ugly-looking shirt. I think it's shocking how it's by accident. 
I'm sure there'll be a load of Toon fans out there that love it, so they'll probably hate us for saying it. But I just think the whole way that Castor have gone about the football kit so far, we've reviewed quite a few of them. They're really poor quality. They're charging a fortune for them. The things are turning up without sponsors' logos on, with you know logos upside down. In some cases, we've had Rangers kits turn up with the previous suppliers' logos in the back neck. So, I mean, it has been absolutely all over the place. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of it at all. I'm not a big fan of our home kit. I'm not really a big fan of the away kit. The third kit is just, it's become so controversial because of the buyout. But if you took that kit to one side and just looked at it as a kit, it's pretty bog standard, right? It's a white kit with green collars. So it's not like we're really doing anything spectacular with our kits. And it's just such a shame, really. And yeah, I, th- I think they've got a long way to go. Um, I've not actually, to their credit, I've not actually been able to get a hold of one of the pro jerseys. But from what I've seen on TV and the close-ups that I've tried to do, just little things like the buttons on the shirts. If you look at the buttons on any of the Nike button shirts, they're really soft and you can kind of twist and pull them a little bit. And that's what you want. If it's like a button that you get on a shirt or a polo shirt, that actually could create a lot of problems for someone going in for a header. If the if the button's been um, split or cut, you could get a nasty injury off that. And it sounds like I'm being really picky, but it's that level of detail you've got to go to when you're designing football kits because you just don't know what might happen. So I think for me, I am not convinced about that kit. And I'm not convinced about Castor doing footy kits either at this moment in time. I'm going to risk a wet willy as well as a headlock. But it's the only yeah. Newcastle yeah. shirt that's sold out so far this season. So it has been popular amongst some people. Yeah, but it only sold out after the announcement that they were going to wear. It was readily available till they announced they were going to wear it in a game. And then, boom, it just disappeared. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think, it, it, look, at the end of the day, it's this is what's great about life, right? You're, it's it's Marmite. It, you, some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. It's like the Hummel goalkeeper's kit. It's just lazy. You could have been so much more clever and more creative about that. Even the whole Saudi thing. I mean, it's so crass in the way that we've done it. It is literally an identical shirt to the Saudi kit, which I actually quite like the kit, but it was always good. It, it feels like, We've done it just so that we can piss the public off. And I just think, you know, is that really the right thing for Castoria to have done that? Maybe, maybe not. Only they can make that decision. But for me, I just think it's really crass. It's really obvious. You know, even the granddad collar, it's like first season out, you do a granddad collar. Adam maybe's given that a little bit of time before you pay homage to one of the best football kits that has ever been on the back of a Newcastle player. And then within the first season, they're straight out with the, the granddad collar. Just, for me, something just feels a little bit lazy with a lot of their stuff. And I'd really encourage them to, yeah, to dig a lot deeper and be a lot more clever about it. Yeah, we'll get the real fan reaction in about six weeks' time when those shirts they ordered today actually turn up. Because uh, <laughs> Castor, as well as be leading the line with bespoke designs, uh, they managed to lead the uh, lead the way with supply issues before COVID even started. So, um a place for them for being tra- being trendsetters in that respect as well. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they'll love that accolade. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough Castor Castore bashing for today. Let's move on to the new releases. Right, gentlemen, this is quite emotional, really, because I don't know if you've noticed, but the new releases are tailing off a little bit. This could be the last time we ever do this. I've enjoyed it, guys. As usual, we are going to run through this week's highlights of new releases. Two or three words each, usual order, Mike, Tom, Scott. Let's go through this week's new releases. New Balance and Lille released their new third shirt this week. Nice, but more black and gold. Bored of black and gold. Great shoulders, shite sleeves. Brentford released a very, uh, I want to say, firework-inspired third shirt. Yeah, I'd... Uh, I like it. I just feel like it needed a little more on the sleeves, maybe some some cuff detail or something. The pattern reminds me of a fruit salad. And then just as an aside, I don't know this, but it also reminds me of the seat style they have in their stadium. So maybe there's a link there. 
I thought it looked like confetti, which was fucking ironic because they'll be seeing none of that this season. I drive past that stadium most days and the seat bit never jumped out. So you just said that, Tom. But um, staying in London, we're going to North London. Tottenham Hotspur released their new third shirt. They are carrying on a tradition of shirts that I really like that everyone else seems to hate with this one. I'm firmly in the hate camp. Yeah, that was a correct assessment, Mike. I think it's dreadful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear, so that's going to sell out probably by the time this pod comes out then. Castor uh, <laughs> and Genoa down in Serie B released a couple of shirts. Now, we're going to review these ones separately, gentlemen, for possibly for good reason. The Genoa home shirt. Uh, I'm just, I struggle to say anything positive about, about Castor. I'm worried I'm starting to defend them too much, but it's a fine Genoa shirt. Not as good as the shorts. Amen, Scott, amen. I saw a few social media accounts this week come to the same conclusion. Let's move on to Genoa's away shirt. As we touched on about on social media, I know you guys are probably going to say the same thing, but terrible sponsor placement. The sponsor doesn't help, but that badge is great. Yeah, the only thing I see is that they didn't align that sponsor. That's an absolute shocker for me. It's probably the worst Castor shirt I've seen, actually, in terms of design. We're going to finish with two of Europe's finest teams in reverse order. We've had the Bayern Munich third shirt. I like it. It's a little too similar to one from a couple of seasons ago for me, but it's, it's a decent shirt. Yeah, it feels very familiar, but it is smart. Yeah, I like the pattern, but it's just that whole they've, they've stuck the, the pattern on the body and then it's the plain sleeves. I think it just looks a bit boxy, which is funny because I usually like a box. And we'll finish with the only team ever to win the European Conference League and Roma released their away kit this, season, this week. <laughs> uh, clean and classy. Looks great. And a shout out for the charity match they played with Shakhtar. Those patches are unbelievable. I think this is a good example of how colourways can be so important because the sleeves on the on the Lille shirt we spoke about look terrible, whereas these sleeves fit in really well because they got the colourway spot on. And the lapel graphic on the side is is beautifully so yeah absolutely I agree with you three guys that's probably the shirt of the season as you've all just said that wraps up this week's new releases kid history kid history we haven't made it up kid history kid history we read it on wikipedia so for Kit History this week, I thought because the sun's out and we're all enjoying it, we would go to the seaside and we would talk about Blackpool. So before settling on their famous colours uh, and when they had a few iterations of their team name, they wore quite a few different variations of kits. So they wore a blue and white Argentina striped shirt. They wore an all pale blue. Uh, a lot of different versions of red and white, including a Middlesbrough style chest stripe and some vertical stripes. That was until 1923, when the club's director, Albert Hargreaves, who was also an international referee, took charge of Holland versus Belgium. So I think we can all see where this is going. He was so taken aback by the Holland colours, he decided that as nobody else in England currently wore that colourway, he was going to take it back to Blackpool, which he did. And now we have the famous tangerine. And that is the only difference. They refer to it to tangerine rather than orange. Is that true, Mike, or is that Wikipedia? Oh, it's always Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) But then Holland repaid the favour by stealing total football from Blackpool. Is that right? I I heard that is the way it went, yeah. At least it's not a new Twitter thing with people just completely ripping off other people's ideas. Thank you very much, Mike. Same time, same place next week. So next up, we have this week's feature, which is a stepping away from the usual content on this football shirt pod, where me and Mike spoke to Jay Lyon about his Predator collection. I have a gift. A talent. I am an ally. And a traitor. The reason you'll, the be, reason remembered you'll be remembered. Or lost. I am your first love. Your last chance. Only... We're interrupting your usual programming, but don't worry, the Queen hasn't kicked it and there's no nuclear attack on its way. Well, not at time of recording anyway. We're just simply moving away from football shirts and talking football boots, and more specifically, the most iconic boot of all time, the Adidas Predator. And we are delighted 
to have one of the boot world's most revered collectors, Jay Lyon, joining us. How are you, Jay? Hey, mate. I'm all right. Are you? You all good? I think I think we're all good. I think me and Scott are excited to get into into the bones of this one and talk boots for a little bit because, as you're probably aware, the podcast is predominantly about football shirts, so it gives us a chance just to deviate a little bit and, and have a little chat. So, I mean, to get us started, do you want to just tell us who you are and, and why we've invited you on? Yeah, um, my name's Jason Lyon. Um, I'm Jelly Lyon off Instagram. I collect the Predator boots. You've invited me to have a chat about them today. Yeah, and for anybody right at the start, I'm going to say you do have to check out that Instagram because <laughs> you will be blown away because this is not some small time collection. But yeah, so obviously you're you are predominantly an Adidas Predator collector. So I thought best thing yeah. to do have a little start for anybody who doesn't know, have a little bit of a, a chat about the history of Predators. So do you want to tell us what you know about it? Oh, basically, um, it was started by an ex Liverpool professional, Craig Johnson. Obviously, a set of kids. He was training a set of kids, and they got on about um, how control to control a ball, and, and would it be uh, good to have rubber on, like uh, off a ping pong pack, whatever you call it. And then it just got from there. His idea went off from there. I would probably say that was earlier than '93. It's amazing when you. I mean, for anybody that's not seen the documentary, that the Craig Boots documentary on YouTube is definitely worth a watch. Yeah, you've, you've got to watch that. Yeah, it, it's it's just for me, it's crazy how the most iconic boot in the history of football came from a guy uh, gluing rubber to an old football boot just to see what it would do to a ball. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> something so something so simple. I turn the game. It is 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 crazy. I think that one of the things in that documentary that that fascinated me as well was I don't know if you guys caught that. How much money he put in to getting oh. this boot made, and I think you know by by the end of his his venture, if you like, there was a quarter of a million pounds of his own money went into this, um, yeah. and that's where we got the boot that we we all know today. Um, yeah, and I think that. I don't know if you guys, um, did, just before we move on to some other stuff, if, did you guys know that Craig Johnson was responsible for another football boot as well? Have, have any of you guys seen pig. that boot? The pig, there we the go. Pig. <laughs> <laughs> so as a boot enthusiast, Jay, what do you think of the pig? It, do you know what? It reminds me of the freak and the mutator. That's what it reminds me of. So it's like Adidas have gone, hmm, we'll use that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, now you say it, it's funny that, isn't it? Because it, it has yeah. got the, that sort of rubber fin on it, hasn't it? What would we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll pop a photo? Yeah, we'll pop a photo of that up on the on the socials when we uh, when we get going with that. So yeah, it's good. But yeah, I think as we say, for for anybody who wants to know a lot about the the history and uh, the actual production process of the boot, you absolutely have to watch that documentary. I think some of it will, will blow your mind about how the boot came around and the process that. Craig Johnson, and there was another guy, wasn't there? A guy called Harold Hunter that did it with him. Yes, yes. And yeah, I think I think that it's, it's probably one of the best thirty-minute documentaries I've I've ever watched myself. So so so, w- w- what what got you started with Predators then? That documentary, mate. Um, that started all. I seen that on TV, um, and then I actually contacted Adidas over more information. Uh, back then, we didn't have email. We had I had to write a letter. <laughs> uh, there was no such thing as as, as uh, mobile phones and stuff like that uh, and emails it was done by letter so I sent them a letter asking for more information and they actually sent me a catalogue which I still got from 1994 the World Cup Ooh. was coming up and it was all about the World Cup and it was in, introduced at the same same time still have that catalogue you can see it on my Instagram uh, page and it just it just went from there really um, I mithered my mum and dad my mum and dad really didn't have that much money, but one day they turned up, they threw the threw the, the bag at me, and when I opened it up, it was the, the 94s in, in the box. The box was unreal for, for its time. Um, it had the fins going across the box with the Predator logo. Unreal. Couldn't believe what I had in my hands. And you still have that pair today, obviously. In, are they in worn condition? or unworn? No, I, I, I worn them, and with moving house... I think they just disappeared. Um, my dad threw a lot of stuff out, which I was annoyed about. A lot, a lot <laughs> of predators went, went. So that's what started me basically back on it. It was the, the 94s, yeah. I, that's how I started collecting. So obviously 
since since getting that first pair, anybody who does follow you on Instagram, hopefully a few yeah. people who are listening will go and do that and then come back to the uh, the interview just to see what we're talking about. But um, yeah. yeah, so your collection's moved on some way since then. So I mean, just just Dramatic to give people, life. yeah, just to give people a rough idea, you know, approximately how many pairs of just Adidas Predators would you say you've got in your collection? Oh, um, probably say just just below two fifty, two hundred and fifty pairs. Do you have? Do you think you have them all? Do you have every single no, colour? No, 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 not fin- not finished yet. I don't think I don't think I, I ever will. But there's a there's a lot of pairs, a lot of colourways. I managed to finish off the mutators. I think there's about fifteen pairs in that that section. Wow. Um, I finished the freaks off as well. But all the past ones, they're getting difficult to find now, especially in good good condition or on you. So out of, out of everything, right from the start, we've got to ask the obvious question, which are your favourites? Because we did a little poll on this and um, it on. seems that yeah. the, the manias and the accelerators generally come back as the most popular. Yeah, I, I get that. I really do get that. And I get where people are coming from. An absolute stunning boot. The mania, soft leather, the tongue, unreal, the stripes, how it went round the bottom. Um, I think the blades, the blades were designed by Craig Johnson, by the way. That was something else that he, he did. With Adidas, designed a new blade system, uh, Triaxon or Traction, whatever we want to call it. But my my favourite is the the ninety four. It's it's just it's got a lot of memories with me. I keep saying it. It's got a lot of a lot of memories with me. It reminds me of my pl- obviously playing days. So yeah, the the ninety four. I just love the look of it. The the three teeth stripes on the side with the um, the reptile skin. But unreal boots. Heavy as a bus, <laughs> but, but what, what, a, what a boot for its time. And that changed boots full stop because Nike then had to do something. It's amazing. We always say we, we, we kind of go down the same route with football shirts as well, and especially talking about yeah. World Cups. It's amazing how you can't shift people's opinion yeah. on their first one. No. So if you, you, you know, when you start no. watching football, that's everybody's yep. favourite pair of Predators and the same with the football yep. shirts. It's amazing. Agree, agree. Absolutely agree. So uh, another question, moving on from your favourite then, obviously Scott touched on this that you don't own everything quite yet. I mean, we can all see you're almost there. <laughs> but um, <laughs> if, if the one pair that you don't own, that you, if you could buy that pair tomorrow, what would it be? The Yin Yang. Uh, it's the Yin Yang Pulse. Coming, uh, it's a lim- limited edition. Coming in like a wooden box with David Beckham plastered over it. Um, yeah, that, that's the one. That's the one. And price price is mental for them. Absolutely. You know, Jay, you've you've just you've just done special things to Scott because you've mentioned special boxes and David Beckham, and, <laughs> yeah. and they, are two, <laughs> they are two of his favourite things in the whole world. <laughs> super, super. That yeah. sounds like my kind of boot. That's that's what. <laughs> Well, if you mate, if you if you've got three and a half grand, four grand spur, that's how much they're going for. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, d- just that curiosity. Sorry, Jay. Just a little description of those. What what do they look like for for anybody who hasn't heard of that? They they actually came out with it, the the pulse was in like a silver and red, but they did a yin yang pair, which was basically on one foot. The inside where the stripes was was red. And on the tongue, it had the David Beckham logo. On the other side, it was just like the normal release. So it's basically like, like it says, yin yang. It's two different boots, but unreal, unreal boot. Were they limited as well? With, with... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was seven hundred and twenty-three, I believe. Oof, yeah, that's wow. Yeah, that's not a lot for a boot. Yeah, it's not a lot. That's not a lot. So, which, which of your pairs that you do own has been the hardest to, to get hold of? What ones have you actually searched high and low for? Hard and low for. <laughs> Probably said the eyes and the, to- eyes and the tongue. Uh, they were uh, only brought out in sample pairs. Supposedly, 30 pairs worldwide. It wasn't put out to buy. They were just put out as samples given to people like Pro Direct and other shops. Um, I managed to get a pair. It was spooky. Um, on eBay and they were quite cheap couldn't believe me luck and then uh, another collector contacted me and said I know someone at Adidas he's leaving Adidas he's got the uh, the eyes do you want the eyes I was like I'm having them yeah 
<laughs> 30, 30 pairs world, worldwide each of them yeah i i, I know the ones you mean do, do, i could be wrong i'm not quite sure on the year but with it, did they come out around the 2014 with the revenge pack stuff they, they did mate 2004, yeah. 2014 yeah again we'll uh we'll make sure we pop a little image up of those on the on the socials yeah. so i'd be willing to bet a lot of people don't even know of the existence of those because you're you're diving right into the depths of the predator with those ones yeah but two, yeah so Coming up to 2014 leads me to one of my questions. Do you know why Adidas decided to take a break? Considering how popular the boot is. I do, I do, I do. I got told by someone that, that worked just in one of the shops because they sometimes have the itinerary that comes through. And I got told the boot was getting a bit stale. Um, obviously, ideas were getting, so they, they wanted to scrap it. And then bring it back in a few few years' time. We all, I already knew it was it was coming back in in a few years' time with a big launch. It's an interesting marketing technique, isn't it? It's quite risky as well. Very, very. You're getting rid of one of the biggest football boots going just because obviously sales must have died or whatever. It's just, but that was Adidas's decision to to, to scrap it and then try change the boot. Full stop. I'd say. So your ex came in, so they changed the just dyma- dynamics of the boot. Full stop. And just out, out of curiosity, what what do you think of the newer boots? So obviously, all, all of the, the the newer ones are very different to the predators, as as gentlemen of a certain age, shall we say, are gonna gonna know them. Yeah. As. Um yeah. But what what do you think of them? Have you played in them? What do you think of the aesthetics compared to I, the older I, boots? I have played in them. I have played in them. And do you know what? The Mutator Mute is absolutely brilliant as a boot. I haven't got a problem with newer boots. I, I understand ages have gone on now. You know, it's time to get up to date with things. And things are getting lighter. Shin pads are getting lighter. Goalkeeper gloves are getting lighter. Shirts are getting lighter. That, that's just what it, what it is for the, the top athletes. Um, yeah, it, keep up with times, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think it is. I think we're we're the same in the shirt world. I think sometimes we complain about the way things yeah. are moving on, but uh, yeah. it is what it is. And like you say, things got to move on. Which also, yeah. what what do you think of of the, the 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 remakes of the classic boots? Are you a fan of those, or do you think they should be left alone? I've got every single one of them, so that tells your story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to admit, I, I I like the remakes. I've got the um, the 2014 accelerators myself, and I've used them yeah. on and off now for what yeah. does that make it? Eight years now, and I think that yeah. having the aesthetics of the old boot that we all love with the comfort yeah. of a modern boot, I got to admit, it's it's hard to beat. I agree. I fully agree. There's a lot of people that knock that boot, and and now that they, we're we're on more with the remakes, a lot of people still knock that boot. To me. The boot never felt a bit. It was it, it was a it was a brilliant boot, and like you said, it had the old characters with the new the new technology. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. My biggest disappointment, let's say, with the remakes is that they yep. don't give them to the players. You know, we, we've we've very only very few times have we seen. I think yep. well, obviously Beckham wore his yeah. his um yeah. his pair in the the treble winners. The, yeah. against the Bayern team and then yeah. you had Pogba Pogba wore the accelerators Pogba. for that for that one game and wasn't it was it Tony Cruz that had the, the absolutes that he wore the, the white the white all white absolutes that came out he wore them in training or something uh, yeah there was that and it, I think one of them were they still got the 11 pros yes yeah I think he had a, a, an original pair but that, original that's pair my biggest disappointment because I love the real releases but if they would just give them to players to wear in an actual game I think it would be yeah, amazing I agree I, I know that um, I'm sure it was Mesa Ozil wore the gold Zidane was it, was it were they gold I, I can't oh, yeah, remember the accelerators I'm, yeah, yeah I'm sure he wore those with, a, with an adapted tongue and Bizarrely, I remember Jason Punchin wearing the Accelerator remakes as well. <laughs> See, Ozil bought that pair off um, an Instagram um, collector, I think, or a seller. That's where he got them from. I think he had them adjusted as well with the, uh, a tongue strap on them, so it kept the tongue down. The dealers never actually give them him. They, they have to actually buy them. And I'll name drop now. I've had that Aaron Ramsdale message me. I've actually given him a pair of my boots 
um, out of my per- personal collection. I didn't charge him any money. I just said to him, give us some gloves. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a cool trade, though. But that's how yeah. it should be. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, this is the point that people miss. You know, as collectors, yeah. that that's how it should be. I mean, if David Beckham messaged me up and said, oh, I'm missing this shirt for my collection. Can I have it? I'd be like, yes. He's the shirt, mate. He's the shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a selfie of me giving yeah. it to you, and then that'll be it when we saw yeah. it. <laughs> as, as, as long as they look after you, then that's fine. I, I'm, I'm willing to to give to give the boots to him, and, and that's what I did. And it, it was well made up. He actually he, he actually messaged me to source a pair of they were power swerve, and the, the colorway he wanted was the originals, which is obviously the black, black, red, and white. But I just couldn't find them in any size, brand new. Um, and then I just paused to him that he'd just signed for Arsenal and <laughs> I had a pair of power swerve that were red and silver and black and you can wear him with your Arsenal kit and he went, yeah, go on then. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool story. Yeah. That is, that is, it's cool. If you search back on my uh, Instagram profile, you can see the gloves that, it, it, they were actually his debut gloves for Arsenal that I got off him. So I was made, made up to get them. And then um, I messaged him again and said, can you help me out? And he sent me another pair, which is he's a really, really nice lad. Really nice lad. Sounds good goalkeeper good. too. <laughs> tell, him, tell, tell him you know a good podcast if he wants to come on and chat about gloves and shirts, all right? <laughs> okay, but no worries. <laughs> and uh, so speaking of shirts, I, I know you're predominantly a boot head, as, as, as you know, yeah. but obviously I believe you are a Manchester United fan. I, I am for my sins at the minute. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah we've so, had good times. Are you uh, have you been, have you ever really had much of an interest in the shirts? Have you got a few favourites yourself? Yeah, yeah, of course, mate. I have, and do you know what? I was at Liverpool Academy as well when I was younger. Obviously, that's what brings the ninety fours back. But I've got a few Liverpool shirts as well. It sounds mad, but United one because I'm a goalkeeper or I was a goalkeeper. I'd say the um, the ninety eight ninety nine um, black. It was done for Champions League. Um, do you remember it? I think Scott will. It's it's the ninety eight ninety nine. Uh, I think they had it a little bit earlier than that as well. It was the black goalkeeper shirt for the Champions League. It came across with a V. Oh yeah, uh, yeah sharp. That, it's with a silver bit it. on it. Yeah, yeah, that's really the one. Smart. There. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Schmeichel only wore it a few times. Uh, they, but they, they preferred the green one. I got away with wearing the green one, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. That was that was. He had some belters. Shemichael, oh. for any goalkeeper collectors, yeah, that yeah. must. I mean, even his national team shirts as well. He just seemed to. Yeah. Whoever yeah. was designing for him, he, he seemed to yeah. all, always strike gold, didn't he? Can I say Umbro back then with goalkeeper shirts and the kits were unreal. You'll have a lot of people agreeing with you from our sort of like listener base with, with that. I think Umbro, yeah. obviously being a United fan, obviously your the, yeah. the Umbro ones for you and Scott will be quite you know forefront in your memory. But I don't think yeah. it's just United fans that see them like that. I think obviously I'm a Villa fan. We had yeah. you know Umbro for a short period with some incredible shirts as well. Can I say which one I like of that? And I had it too, the one with the tie up, and you almost won the league with it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mighty, cop- Mighty copiers on the front, is it? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. I, th- I think yeah. that's quite an, that, that's an interesting shirt and an interesting time, to be honest with you, because I think the lace up collars were good. And yeah. I saw a United page on Twitter share the other day that there was apparently a prototype for a red and white version of what yeah, yeah, Villa that's had. Right. Yeah, that that, that yeah. would have been an interesting look with all white sleeves. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. But yeah, that was Dwight, Dwight York time. That wasn't it. I was going to say yeah, it was. Peak Dwight York that got Dwight him to United. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say be- before you came in and pinched him. <laughs> 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 no, it, it, it was it was it was the truth is it was a good time for Villa. Obviously, it was a good time for United. I think that there aren't many times that I can look back and say that that Villa were almost on a level play, level playing field with United. But for that yeah. one season, I can yeah. I can say that we were up there, and, and you know, yeah. it could in a, in another universe it would have been different, and we would have we could have taken that league. But yeah, yeah, all, yeah. all for a couple of big headers from Steve Bruce, I believe, wasn't Steve it? Steve Bruce, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, obviously, my other one is a Liverpool goalkeeper shirt. Um, obviously, when, when I was growing up, and then obviously ended up at the academy there, or oh, centre of excellence, what it was called. I, I, I like the. It was, do you remember when they played Manchester United? United were in black. Um, was it 94, 95? 
Bruce Grobelaar wore a yellow Adidas goalkeeper shirt with black yeah, striped It was the Kung Fu shirt for United, wasn't it? That's the one. And yeah. Bruce was wearing a, a yellow. He only wore it three times in three games. I think he played Aston Villa, actually, in, in one of them. Um, but gorgeous shirt. Absolutely gorgeous shirt. Yeah, th- th- it's, great, are... it's great to have a goalkeeper's perspective, isn't it? Because yeah. usually ev- everybody goes yeah. for outfield stuff the whole time. I it's thought nice a good that... difference, Scott. I thought a good difference. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to, so what I'll do then, to, to, if, if you're happy to, to wrap this up, what I'd like to do is is ask you for your, your dream combo then. So if oh. you could pick any predator from any era, to yep. go on, we'll say the goalkeeper of your choice and to wear any goalkeeper shirt in history for one game, what what combination would you put together? Well, it's it's got to be Schmeichel. It's got to be Schmeichel. Goalkeeper shirt now. He had so many. <laughs> it's got to be the 94. He's got to wear 94s. He's got to wear the 94s. Um, so, so, so far, we've got Peter Schmeichel in the 94 in Predators. In the 94s, that would have been hilarious. Um, yeah. Let me think, let me think, let me think. <laughs> nah, I'd won this. I'd, won. I'd say that black shirt. I'd say that black shirt, that umbro black shirt. The boots, would, the, the boots would complement that all black kit. Oh, so well. imagine that. Yeah. Black, black shorts, black socks and the, and the 94s. Well, that sounds I'm... like a winning combo. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, we'll, what we'll do is we'll put it out to our, our listeners and followers on Twitter and see if any of the Photoshop whizzes can, can put that, that little image together for us. <laughs> that'd, be, I'd say, that'd be great seeing that. <laughs> Brilliant. Look, th- thanks for today, Jay. It's been really, really good chatting boots. Um, again, for anybody listening who doesn't, I, I implore you to go on Instagram and follow Jake is not his account is incredible. His photography of the boots is unbelievable. He's obviously got friends in high places, so you know you're going to be in good company following him. Um, and just for anybody who didn't catch it, I believe you are at J Lee Lion with a Y. So yes. yeah, everybody, yes. please get out. So thanks a lot, Jay. Really appreciate coming on. Thank you, mate. Thanks a lot for that, and thanks for the obviously the plug there. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. It's the least we can do. Thank you. Thanks, Jay. It was nice to meet you. Cheers, Scott. Thank you, Matt. Well, guys, I really enjoyed that. It's a bit different, but um, some proper nostalgia there, and I didn't realise the, the history myself. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like I, said, like I said, whilst we were talking to Jay, I absolutely push anybody to go and watch that that thirty minute documentary because we all we really covered was you know who who started it and, and how the idea came up. There's so much incredible detail in that documentary about how much time that they put into it, how it was made, and, and I know Scott watched it as well. You know, in prep for the interview, I think it is fascinating and also jay's got an amazing collection and i'll keep saying it you have to follow him and have a look so follow jay and we'll put a link to the youtube documentary in the twitter feed as well when the episode goes up and it was amazing to have somebody with exactly the same mentality as all of us and our listeners but just about boots and not shirts but it is a it is the replica of our community but just about a slightly different aspect of football so it was really it was really interesting to get that Great, so all give Jay a follow and we'll have the links at awesome documentary on the bottom of the Twitter feed this week as well. That leads nicely into this week's Shirt Room 101 and it's a very, very topical nomination coming from Pedro at the Pedronator on Twitter. Hi guys, hope you're all doing well. Thanks for inviting me onto your podcast and asking me to submit a nomination for Room 101. Well, my nomination, if you haven't guessed already based on some of my rants on Twitter, is Castor football shirts. Except for maybe two or three shirts that they've released, everything else should be banished forever. It's not just that the designs are pretty poor, but you only have to see the comments from the fan base that the quality doesn't seem to be very good. And plus, you just don't know if you're going to get your club badge stitched on. You don't know if the brand logo is going to be there. You don't know if the label is going to be put upside down. You don't even know if you're going to get the shirt in time for the end of the season. If they spent more time working on making some quality shirts with some interesting designs, rather than trying to hoover up every other team around Europe, then maybe, maybe we might be able to release them from 101 in the future. Cheers, guys.
he says maybe release them in the future. I think, fuck it, don't. Let's lock them in a room and never let them out. Uh, <laughs> but let's somebody else jump in, please. I'd like, seeing as I'm a Villa fan and we're currently made by Castor, Castor, however you want to pronounce it, I'd gladly go first. I 100% back the idea to throw them in there and just burn them for the rest of eternity. I, I just... I will admit that my my judgment on anything Castore is now so clouded by my dislike for them that in truth, if they release something half decent, I'll probably just dislike it immediately because I just don't like them. I I last the end of last season, I picked up the um the Rangers anniversary shirt. I thought it looked good. I'm not gonna lie, went into the sale for like less than 30 quid. So I thought, here's a go. You know, Villa had just been announced, let's pick one up. And I had such high hopes because that shirt is actually quite good. The, the the quality is good, the everything's embroidered. And what a fucking letdown as soon as they start releasing shirts this season. You know, for Villa in particular, we've seen the I always refer to them as the jock tags on the bottom of the shirt being upside down. And we haven't even had the most of them delivered to people yet. So God knows what else will come. So for me, no doubt, throw them in there, lock the key, shirt room 101's completed with Castore in there. I think for me, I personally, there's not many of the shirts that Castori don't have many teams that I would ever buy. So, for example, I, I don't buy anybody outside of Man United in England. And in Scotland, I don't really buy anybody outside of, of Hibs either. So there's already, even if they had nice shirts, I wouldn't be buying them. But the ones that they have made out in Europe that you might pick up, like you said, they're just shit. And the designs are shit. The quality is shit. I mean, the, the, the only time I've ever thought about picking one up was this Newcastle pre-match shirt, because I think that's a really interesting story, regardless of how bad it is. But I was very conscious of the, the, the Twitter police telling, telling me not to buy them before the fans could get them. So I, I decided against it. I'm a bit like you, Scott. I don't, I don't have a dog in this fight. None of the shirts are for teams that I would be interested in collecting or owning. I do feel like I've kind of fallen into this trap of defending Castore, even though I don't have a dog in the fight and they are all shit. But you know what? I'm going to stay completely contrary and double down. And no, they, I don't think they should go in room 101. Give the, the little guys a chance. For all of our listeners, Tom was a little bit late joining us today because he's currently in court representing a former Welsh footballer as well. So um, he's very much one for defending the indefensible. <laughs> I'm going to lose. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I was going to follow that before AD stepped in. I was going to follow that, Tom, by basically saying I think that you now count as a Castore sympathiser and I'm going to get you cancelled for this. In all honesty, they are shit, but it is also hilarious. Let's not, let's not you know, get this wrong. Uh, I think it's hilarious, it's hilarious to see a shirt turn up with a badge upside down. Or it, a, it, it, you know. It's hilarious because they don't make your club, like you say. As a Villa fan, I'm sat here and, of course, I want the shirts. I, I collect Villa shirts, you know. I, that, that, that's what we do. We, we buy the shirts sometimes regardless of how much we like them. It's, it's the, the, the bane of a, co- a collector's life. But it's so difficult because I am there thinking... Oh, like like I said earlier, I saw a kit bag for 42, 45 quid, whatever it was. Do I just do I just get one now? And I just I couldn't I couldn't do it because I'm thinking, what what's gonna turn up? I don't you know what I'll do. I'll probably wait until somebody buys it, fucking hates it, and sticks it on eBay for 20 quid with the tags on still, and I'll buy it then because at least I know everything's gonna turn up the right way around. Well, if anyone heard those sirens there in the background, that was the police coming to arrest me for supporting them. But <laughs> no, they are shit, but it's, it's too funny. And also, I don't really care. So I want them out of Room 101 and into everybody's collections. It, we need is, to... funny. it is funny that they exist as a company and they're putting out shirts for fucking with shit upside down. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> OK, so let's see if a comedy appeal is going to keep them out. Let's have a quick vote. I'm for throwing away the key, slamming them in. Mike? Yeah, get them in. Tom, you're defending them still? Yeah, I'm, I'm doubling down. Come on, Scott, the world's relying on you. Yeah, I think we should throw them in. They're, they're almost as bad as a mystery box because you don't know what's going to show up. But people love them. <laughs> people love them. Exactly. You've just... <laughs> no, that's too late. They're in, they're in. Listen, everybody, some really great opinions today, some really great news. For any of the listeners that missed any of that, don't worry about re-listening to it. Just follow a couple of the big social media accounts this week and you'll see most of the stuff we covered in the coming days. Thank you for listening.
I'd like to just, again, as we often do, say a quick thank you to everybody that interacts on socials, uh, leaves reviews, because that's really important to us, whether it's Scott's favourite one star, you know, we don't get too upset about it, we know. It's all, it's all for good fun, we're all playful types on this podcast, but it is really important that we get reviews, and more importantly than reviews is feedback, which we get a lot of, just to improve the podcast and improve what we do on socials, so thank you very much, everybody. But on a serious note, if anybody has any negative negative reviews or complaints, please make sure and get them over to us so we can throw them in room 101 with the rest of the shit in the football show community. So that's us again done this week. They think it's all over. It is now.